to start off tonight, we are ending our study on 1 Corinthians. So if you have a scripture notebook with you, we are we're going to be done studying this book um, after tonight. But to start off tonight, um, I want to ask you a question. How many of you have ever flown in a plane before? How many of you have flown in a plane? A lot of you. Yes, a lot of you. Uh, how, how many of you have not flown in a plane? What, who, who has not flown? Out of the people who have not flown, do you ever want to fly or are you scared of flying? Yeah, you want to fly? Some of you are scared of flying? Okay, okay. I, I ask this question because for those, those who have flown, did you enjoy your experience? Did you, do you enjoy flying or was it a bad experience? couple good experience. What's one good experience? What's one bad experience maybe that you've had while flying? Good experience? So bad experience. That was that good for you? Oh, you enjoyed it. Sam, you had an experience? Yeah, yeah. When you see the plane uh, kind of move out the window, yeah, that can be kind of scaring. For me, for me personally, listen up, for me personally, flying in a plane is actually a really humbling experience for me. Because it make it reminds me of how small I am in the larger picture. Can you really me relate with me? For those who have flown, have you looked out the window, and have you seen like, whoa, like the cars down there look really, really small, and so therefore the people on them are even smaller yet, and it just reminds you of how small we are in the larger picture of the entire world. It's humbling, because there are times that I'll be honest with you, I can be really focused in my life here in Central Illinois so focused on my life that um, when I'm flying, uh, I, I'm convicted by God because I, I recognize how much I actually really need to serve others instead of focusing on self. It's a good reminder to, uh, to me that there, there's a world out there beyond where I am at. And where there's people, there's brokenness, there's effects of sin. Even when we were talking about Canada, that there's over a million people who have never heard of the gospel. Not they've heard of the gospel and just say no to it, but they've never heard of the gospel. There's always people out there who need Jesus and, and need uh, to be taught that and reminded of that. And so for me, it convicts me when I, when I realize I'm selfish, that there's a much bigger world out there that um, I can serve others and not be so wrapped up in myself. During our study of 1 Corinthians, we've seen this idea We've seen this idea of serving others instead of ourselves throughout um, 1 Corinthians as we explored our, our um, series title, Gospel Living in the Local Church. Because gospel living in the local church is really done when we take the focus off of ourselves and we, uh, off of our own personal wants and desires and submit to Jesus as Lord and Savior. And we can see how we live in a way that points that to Jesus through 1 Corinthians. Now tonight, we're not just going to focus on how to do that in the local church, but tonight's lesson, 1 Corinthians 16, talks about how to do that with a global church in mind as well. So if you have a scripture notebooks with you, please open them to 1 Corinthians 16 as we look at the last chapter of 1 Corinthians. So page 56 if you have a scripture notebook with you. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1. Now remember, as always, underline anything that sticks out to you. Oh, for those who haven't flown, this is a picture of a, of a wing looking out the window. I forgot that I had that picture in the slide. If you haven't flown, that's what it looks like. 
People are really tiny. You feel really small. Okay, 1 Corinthians 16, starting in verse 1, if you are there. Verse 1, now about the collection for the saints. Oh, sorry, before I read, underline anything that doesn't make sense to you, something that sticks out, underline it, and you'll talk about it later after a large group lesson. uh, Chapter 16, verse 1. Don't worry. We looked at the radar. We're going to be fine. It's not supposed to do anything really nasty until 9 o'clock after you guys are on your way home. So, um, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1. Let's follow along in our scripture notebooks. If you don't have one, I have the verses on the screen. Now, about the collection for the saints, do the same as I instructed the Galatian churches. On the first day of the week, each of you is to set something aside and save in keeping with how he is prospering so that no collections will need to be made when I come. When I arrive, I will send with letters those who recommend to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it's suitable for me to go as well, they will travel with me. Let's keep reading. Verse 5, I will come to you after I pass through Macedonia For I will be traveling through Macedonia, and perhaps I will remain with you, even spend the winter, so that you may send me on your way wherever I go. This is Paul talking to the Corinthian church. I don't want to see you now just in passing, since I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord allows. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, because the wide door for effective ministry has opened for me, yet many oppose me. If Timothy comes, see that he has nothing to fear while with you, because he is doing the Lord's work just as I am. So let no one look down on him. Send him on his way in peace so that he can come to me because I'm expecting him with the brothers. Now, about our brother Apollos, I strongly urge him to come with you, with the brothers, but he is not willing to come now. However, he will come when he has the opportunity. All right, a couple things that I want you to underline is verse 2. If you haven't not underlined it already, underline verse 2 or make a note of it on your piece of paper. Verse 2. What is happening here in verse 2? So Paul, as he's wrapping up this letter to the church of Corinth, he's telling the church, hey, I I want you to be collecting money uh, so that you can send it and and use it for the purposes of ministry. Collect money from the people who, who gather there at church. It's kind of like what we do on a Sunday morning, right? We, we pass the, the, the giving buckets around at the end of the service, and Paul is saying, do this so that you can have funds to use for ministry purposes. Now, this is going to be a really quick lesson, so I need you to pay attention. I need you to stay with me because we got a lot of other things planned tonight, and so I only have a couple of points, so stay with me. So that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, Every week, set aside some money that you make, basically saying for those who are making money, give some back to the church so that it can be used for various purposes. And so I have this question for you. That's what Paul's saying. That's a, that's a biblical truth. Here's an application question for you personally. Maybe you work during the summer. Or maybe you have a job. Maybe you babysit or Maybe uh, you have some source of income. Maybe you get an allowance that it's a source of income. Here's my question is, do you give money to further global ministry? This, Paul is challenging the Corinthians with this, but I don't think this is just for the Corinthian church. I think this is a principle that all Bible-believing churches should be following as well. It's something that was specific for them, 
But Paul says, he's, he's telling every church to do this. So we know that it wasn't specific to only that context, but rather it's actually an expectation for all churches. And so we here at Hype are part of Crosspoint. That's our local church. And do and if you have other churches that you're part of, that's your local church. I know there's many other churches in the area, but those who call Crosspoint home, wherever you call home, you know, do you give money to further global ministry? I just want to share a story because you might think, I've never done this, or I was never taught how to do this. I don't think there's an early enough time to start because some of you might be thinking, oh, that's what my parents do. I see my mom and dad write the check, or they put some money into the basket when it gets passed around or into the offering plate. But I want to challenge you. When I was in grade school, my parents taught me this very key understanding that what we have came from God and that we should give back so that it can be used to further the gospel. So when I was in grade school, my parents would give me a dollar, and I would put it in the offering. When I was in high school, I worked. Some of you have jobs, right? I worked when I was in high school, and I, and I would give back a portion of what I made back to the church. When I was in college, even though I was a poor, broke college student, there were still weeks where I was like, you know what, I can give $5, right? So it's not like you have to give a lot back, but it's, it's am I giving money back to further global ministry? We see, and, and we saw this on display. Who is here this morning for morning worship here at Crosspoint? If you were here, you saw this. If you weren't here, I'm going to share what happened. But you saw this on display this morning, that uh, there was a need, some missionaries that we support, uh, the Deval family, the husband, got really, really sick. So much that he had to be, like, life-flighted, basically, uh, to a hospital to get treatment. And he was separated from his, from his kids for some time. And so to make sure that the kids had adequate transport to be with their father and mother, um, Crosspoint paid out of our missions fund for that to happen. We also paid for some other things, but we had a, a fund from people giving money to the church so that we could further global ministry and help them out in need. And so you, we, those who are here know a lot more details. Dave went into a lot deeper context. That's just an overview of what happened. But we saw this this very morning in action, which is super cool um, to see that, you know, when you do give, like, it does get used. Like, it goes towards ministry, and for that case, it goes to global ministry all the way in Papua New Guinea. Okay, next verse I want, to, I want you to underline, because I told you I was going to go through this very quickly. Verse 10 through 11. If you don't have a notebook, jot that down. Just jot the numbers down. But if you have a notebook, underline verse 10 through 11. 10 through 11 says this, if Timothy comes, see that he has nothing to fear while with you, because he's doing the Lord's work just as I am. So let no one look down on him. Send him on his way in peace so that he can come to me because I'm expecting him with the brothers. Okay, so we have to ask ourselves, what's going on here? Why is this important for me to underline, to point out? I think Paul here is asking the Corinthian church to not only collect money to serve people globally with missions, but he's also saying those who come to your church to preach, to care for you, 
like guest preachers or maybe pastors who come and spend some time with you. He's also saying not only are you supposed to support global, like other churches, but support those who come to your church that uh, help you with ministry, that guest preach. And so um, a, a takeaway, Crosspoint, I don't know if you know this, but we have some guest preachers that come and preach this summer. Uh, we're going to have a lot of guest preachers come and preach because Dave's going to be on sabbatical. If you don't know what that means or questions, you can ask me later. So we're going to have a lot of guest preachers. And I can tell you that each time a guest preacher comes from outside the church to give a message, we help them a little bit financially for their work and for their blessing uh, to our church. And this happens at Hype. We've had people this year come to Hype who are not part of our church and come as a guest speaker. Tim Franks from Eureka Bible Church came once and gave a lesson. Uh, we've had other people give testimonies before, and they're guest teachers here at Hype. And so we give them a small gift card and a card to show our appreciation because we're told to support those who care for us. And in that moment, those guest teachers are caring for us. And so that's something that Paul is saying to do. That's something we as a student ministry try to live out and as a church, local church, try to live out as well. And I think it's important to see that, yes, take a collection, support global. Also, Paul's saying, secondly, support those who come to you that you actually have interaction with. Support them as well. And then thirdly, he he's going to go into um, a, other ways to support Local people. So if you pick up your scripture notebook back up at verse 13, verse 13, we're going to continue reading. We're going to finish out chapter 16 really quick. Verse 13 says this Be alert, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. Brothers and sisters, you know the household of Stephanus, and they are the first, first fruits of Achaia, and you've devoted themselves to. And have devoted themselves to serving the saints. I urge you also to submit to such people and to everyone who works and labors with them. And I'm delighted to have Stephanus, Fortunus, and Achaicus present because these men have made up for your absence. For they have refreshed my soul and yours. Therefore, recognize such people. And then Paul finishes with this this greeting, this, this wrap-up conclusion. The churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla send you greetings, warmly in the Lord, along with the church that meets in their home. All the brothers and sisters send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. This greeting is in my own hand, Paul. If anyone does not love the Lord, a curse be on him. Our Lord, come. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. May love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Okay, a couple things underlined here to get this big picture of what Paul is saying here as he wraps up his letter Verse 13 and 14, I want you to underline those. Be alert, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. Okay, so if we work out the, the outline that we're going through, Paul says, collect for global missions, support those who come to you in the local church that are guests. Then he goes in a step further and says, hey, you personally have a choice to trust in God and to stand firm in the faith. So he's going way far out. He's going a little bit closer. And then he goes personal. This is you Corinthians. You have a choice to stand firm in the faith, to be courageous. I urge you to be strong and that you do everything in love. And this is something that we can take to our own personal lives. 
that we have the same call, the same challenge as believers, if you do confess Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, that we have the same call on our lives. And so just as the Corinthians were encouraged and had a choice to stand firm, to trust God in all things, I think it's appropriate to apply that to our lives. Hey, in everyday situations, you have an opportunity to either trust God or trust yourself. In any situation, could be a test. It could be finding next steps to do post high school. It could be when I step up to the plate in a baseball game. It could be when my event comes up in a track and field event. It could be when I'm at work. You know, am I going to look out for only what I want? Am I here just to collect a paycheck? Or am I here to serve God? Am I here to worship Him? Am I here to love others and serve others and share Christ with others? And so every single situation that you encounter, big, small, mundane, large, you have an opportunity to trust in God and submit to him in those situations or to trust yourself. And I pray that we would all stand firm in the faith as Paul encourages the Corinthians to be courageous, be strong because of Christ and because of him we can do everything in love. So Paul then, he goes personal. He goes global, kind of not so global guest preachers. He goes personal. And then he kind of takes another step out, but instead of guest preachers this time, he addresses the local leaders in the Corinthian church. And this is where we see a lot of those really hard names to pronounce that I'm pretty sure I fumbled through and didn't do it justice at all. But in verse 17, I'm not even going to try it again. You see three names there in verse 17, if you have a scripture notebook with you. And what these three people are, these are real people Paul is writing about, and these are actually leaders in the Corinthian church that are with Paul. Paul's writing this letter, not in Corinth, but away from Corinth, because if he was in Corinth, he would just say this to the Corinthians. He's writing this from a different city. And so these leaders have come to Paul with issues that are happening in the church that we've all studied about this entire year. And he's writing this letter to send back with them. And these leaders, Paul is encouraging the Corinthians to support them, to submit to them. Verse 16 says, submit to such people, to everyone who works and labors. I'm delighted to have Stephanus, Fortunus, and Achaicus present because they have made up for your absence They have refreshed my spirit and yours, therefore recognize such people. Paul's saying, you know, give them respect. Submit to them because they're the leaders that are caring for your souls on an everyday basis. So he goes global, he goes guest preachers, he goes personal, and he steps a little bit back out from personal and goes back to church leadership for a moment. And so in that realm, I think it's important to recognize, hey, on a larger church scale, if you call Crosspoint home or you call another church your home, are you following what your leaders say? Pastors, elders, leaders in the church. On a student ministry side, you know, as students, you're here and we're leaders. And so we have certain expectations that we go over every now and then that you saw in announcements that we expect you to act in such ways. And if you don't, we expect you to... Re- to listen to us when we say, hey, don't do that. Or, hey, that, that's not Christ-like in that. Or, hey, like you did a really good job and we want to encourage you and we want you to 
feel um, respected, encouraged, and we want that same treatment back towards us. But I, I, overall, it's, hey, you know, do I recognize that God has put leaders over me and that I need to respect them in the church, whether it's large church, suit ministry, whatever context, you know, what um, leaders have God placed over me and how do I treat my leaders who God has placed over me in the church? Ask yourself, how do you honestly treat your small group leader? You know, do you disrespect them? Do you goof off around a lot? Or do you actually listen? Do you engage? Do you pay attention when small group leaders are asking you questions, when they're sharing things with you? Because they love you. And they think that it is worth your time to grow in Christ and to be here and to study God's Word. And so that's a personal takeaway from this section of, hey, like, follow your local church leaders, whether it's student ministry or church at large. So he goes global, he goes guest preaching, he gets personal, he goes back to church leadership, and the last couple verses, he ends with more of a global mindset. There's kind of this back and forth motion of this last chapter that Paul has uh, as, as he sets up this last chapter. And I want you to look at this and um, I want you to underline um, verse 19 and 20. Verse 19 and 20. The churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla send you greetings, warmly the Lord, along with the church that meets in their home. And all brothers and sisters send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. So, what this means, we're going to go through what this means, so there's no confusion, especially on that last phrase. What this means is, hey, like, your church that you're a part of, whether it's Crosspoint or another church, is not a standalone church and everyone else is separate. Yes, you're part of a local church, but we're also part of the global church. And so we need to be praying for other churches. We need to be interacting with other churches. That's why it's a beautiful picture when we do partner with other churches in the area or when we support missionaries overseas. Or when you were in Sun Chasers, you were writing letters to sponsorship kids. Or if you were here last week, uh, we had a guest speaker um, that came from, uh, he was originally from a different country. And so everyone who's a believer represents the global church. And it's important for us to see that. You know, when we go through Operation World and our announcements, yeah, I want you to recognize, hey, the world is broken and the world needs Jesus, but I also want you to know that there are believers in other countries around the world that we need to pray for, that we need to intercede for them. This last part, when it says, all brothers and sisters send you greetings, greet one another with a holy kiss. So, in, let's go over this because I'm sure some of you have questions. So what does that mean? Does that mean I just go around kissing everybody? No. Right now, I'm telling you, no, that's not what it means. Think of the context. There's some cultural context to this. Corinth is overseas. It's in Greece, specifically the Asia Minor area. Has anybody ever been over to like England or Europe? Anywhere in Europe, really? Europe? No? Okay, so I have. I've been to Europe. I've been to Portugal in Europe on a mission trip. Let me tell you, people in Portugal, they greet you with a kiss on the left cheek and then on the right cheek. Now, yes, welcome to the party. So when there was Kent from small town Eureka, I was technically from Goodfield, Illinois, and I go over there, and that's how they greet you 
and believers in another church that we went to greeted us that way, it was a little awkward. Not going to lie. Save it for small group or afterwards, and then we can talk about it. Um, it was almost seen as disrespectful if you didn't. If you didn't, if you didn't return, yeah, they were a little bit gracious because they knew that we were from America, but um, on the, on the cheek, yeah, just on the cheek, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but anyway, so stuff like that happens in different cultures. Instead of doing that, what what what's some what's a way that we greet someone here in Central Illinois? Handshake, yeah. Nux, maybe, yeah. There's different ways of greeting people. What Paul is saying is, hey, I want you to greet believers with, with a warm greeting, with encouragement. I don't want you to show favoritism and only m- greet certain believers that you really get along with and disregard other people who follow Jesus. He says, greet everybody. And so, and that can seem a little weird because if you've flown in here, you've been at some airports, hopefully you recognize there's people in the world different than you. Look a lot different, act a lot different than you, have different values and beliefs than you. But if they follow Jesus, Paul says to the Corinthians, and I, and I believe that this is applicable to us today, that we need to treat them as believers, to greet them warmly in an appropriate way whatever that is, between two people from different cultures, to greet them, to treat them like you would treat some other person that you know that is a believer in Christ. To treat them as family, as brothers and sisters. And so, Paul goes, global church, guest pastors, personal, local church leadership, and then when you encounter somebody else that's not like you or, from, or that is different than you or is not from your area, when you meet them, when you, when you interact with somebody from a different area, you're supposed to greet them and you're supposed to treat them as if they were family. Now, we hit this conclusion in the last few verses, and this is going to be the conclusion of tonight's lesson. Um, we, we come to these verses in verse 22. If anyone does not love the Lord... A curse be on him. That's kind of harsh, don't you think? If anyone does not love the Lord, a curse be on him. What's Paul saying here? Paul's saying, hey, if there are people that are acting like Christians who say that they're part of the church but really actually don't love Jesus, they're living a, a lie. We've seen this earlier in First Corinthians. Remember when we were talking about the guy if for visitors? This is sound really out of context, but for those who were here, Matt knows where I'm going. So some other leaders. Do you remember when we talked about the guy having sex with his stepmother in 1 Corinthians? Anybody here remember talking about that? Yeah, yeah, yes. Okay, this is a situation that Paul is kind of addressing. He's saying, hey, there, if there's someone in the church that is interacting in the church that is claiming to be a believer, but his actions are obviously contrary to what scripture says that he's actually probably not a believer that he probably doesn't love jesus and so paul is saying like let him be cursed meaning treat him as if he's an unbeliever and we talked about that when we went over that story in first corinthians uh, early in first corinthians basically means treating him as an unbeliever means witness to him let him know that he's an unbeliever address him call him out 
Don't let him just be comfortable, but let him know that he is a sinner in need of a Savior. And so that's what verse 22 is, is, is addressing. And then in verse 24, it says, May love be with you all in Christ Jesus. And so I, I want to close with this question because you see these two differences. And I want to close with this question. Is it evident that you love Jesus? Is it evident that you love Jesus? Would your friends, would your parents, would your teachers say that your relationship with Jesus is something that is of importance to you? Or were those people closest to you even question that you even cared about Jesus and the gospel? Is it evident that you love Jesus? Because if you're acting the church life, if you're just going through the motions, engaging, kind of fitting in because your parents say to, or because you know it's a good idea, or because you actually have fun in student ministry and, and at youth group, but there's really no love for Jesus. As Paul calls these people out, like, I want you to be aware, like, you have sin that needs to be forgiven. You have sin that separates you from being in a right relationship with God. And without a Savior, a person that doesn't trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior is cursed. Because they will die not being forgiven and being separated from God forever. For that over a million people in Canada, that is true. That without submitting to Jesus, without even knowing the gospel, that they are going to be separated from God for eternity. And so if you're here tonight and you're like, man, I, I don't know if I actually love Jesus. I don't know if I have a right relationship with Jesus. I don't know if my lifestyle reflects that at all, let alone asking people around you to answer that question. If you yourself are doubting that, talk to your small group leader tonight. Ask questions. Talk with him or her after small group's done. Have that conversation because what I don't want to happen is for hype to be done for the school year. We go into summer mystery. We don't, we don't really see a whole lot of students during the summer on Sunday nights, right? What I don't want to happen is for this maybe uncomfortable moment to just kind of ease over for some of you that need to address this issue in your life. Because it can be easy to, when you don't have Sunday nights consistently, to just kind of coast through the summer and then come back next year and you really haven't addressed the most important thing in your entire life. And it's, am I right with God? Do I have a relationship with Jesus? And if you can say, yes, I love Jesus, but I recognize I mess up and I choose my sin, but I love Jesus and I need him every single day, praise God. Talk to your small group leader because we want to encourage you to continue to grow in that relationship with Jesus. We want you to grow in maturity and to love him even more and see where you need Jesus even more in your life. Because what we don't want you to do is to stop attending Hype on Sunday nights for the summer and not grow and just be stagnant all through summer because you're not engaging in small groups. And then you come back to August and 
we start Sunday nights again and you haven't really read your Bible at all this summer. You haven't really engaged relationally with Jesus and you just kind of stayed stagnant. We want to help you grow because we think this is the most important thing that people need to be concerned about. If you were here this morning, you, you heard Dave, you know, what is the most important thing in your life? What should be the most important thing? Paul says in 15, it's, it's the gospel. It's the gospel. It's the most important thing that you need to be concerned about in your life. So I want you to dwell on this question. What do you think about it tonight? Is it evident that you love Jesus, yes or no? And talk to your small group leader as we go into small groups. And so for tonight, small groups are going to look a little bit different because we have other things that we're going to do, other activities, other things to get to tonight. Um, so for small groups, I'm going to put 6th and 7th grade girls. So we're going to dismiss into small groups in a moment. Um, and then you guys are going to pray in your small groups. But um, I guess before I do that, I'm going to close lesson in prayer. So if you would, please bow your head, fold your hands, and we're going to pray. And then we're going to go into small groups. Father God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for just this wonderful year of being able to walk through this book of 1 Corinthians and seeing how it relates to the larger Bible and how, um, God, it, it relates to our own lives and how uh, the truths in it are truths given by you uh, that uh, we can see how we can grow in our relationship with you. God, I pray tonight, God, I do pray for, our, for everyone here, students and leaders alike, that it would be evident that we love Jesus. I pray that we would be honest with you about maybe there's parts of our life where we still want to serve ourselves and sin, and I just pray that we would be honest, confess those, repent of those, and, and run to you and confess our need for you in those areas. And so I, I pray that as summer starts in a, in a few weeks, as summer break starts, that students and leaders, that we would dig deep into Bible study, that we would spend time with you, that we would pray with you, and God, that we would grow in our love and our need and our appreciation for you. That's my prayer. That's our prayer for each and every person in this room tonight. We love you and we serve you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.